0: And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Sonny, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And one of the things that we've been uh, dealing with or talking about, I guess you can say, recently, is more of the theological side of life. You know, we've dealt for... Uh, many episodes with some of the social issues that were going on. But, you know, we we recently had Easter and the religious holiday. And so we've been kind of continuing this trend, talking about uh, the theological side of life, the Bible, Jesus, and things like that. And, you know, Dan, one of the interesting things that does go on in life is you can sometimes pick up these new religions, these new, you know, ways of, trying to understand enlightenment, life after death. Um, I know there's a big conversation that happens, like let's just take yoga, for example, you know, with Christians and non-Christians. There's some Christians that believe you should not do yoga at all. There's others that believe if you do Christian yoga, that's okay, and then it's almost like you've got some of these other newer religions that kind of pop up, and so, anyways, there's all these different belief systems, and even within the church, you know, the belief system, can vary from church to church, person to person. You know, for example, I've mentioned this many times before. You ask the question, is there only one way to heaven? Or are there other ways to heaven? Well, the Bible clearly answers that. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Others think that, you know, there's other ways to heaven. You talk about, you know, works. You know, works. People think you can work your way into heaven. The Bible clearly says, you know, not as a result of works, lest no man should boast. And so I thought one of the things that we could talk about was something that you had written about. You know, the Jewish Messiah did not start a new religion. And so uh people might be thinking, what could that be about? And so I thought maybe that's something that we can kind of delve into a little bit here today, kind of find out what exactly did Jesus do? Now we know he died on the cross, rose again save us save us from our sins, you know, all the kind of traditional Sunday school answers that we know. Um, and people that have been in the church obviously know a little bit more, but we all know what Jesus was about. But what was this thing that was created where now all of a sudden you have followers following him, people going out into the world and trying to spread this message, a book that was written about this message that Jesus kind of started so i thought that's something that we can kind of touch on um, as we delve into the conversation here on this episode
1: yeah it really is an exciting topic son and what led me to write the article about um, the jewish messiah didn't start a new religion has to do with what happens when you add the new testament to the old testament you know as christians we have a tendency to really separate the Judaism of the Old Testament from the Christianity of the New Testament, as though they are just purely two distinct religions. And in one sense, you can certainly make that case. Uh, if if um, you know, if, if someone, as many do, and, you know, many many Jews uh, decide to just stop with the Old Testament. But, you know, when we look at what God has done in his plan of salvation, when we look at Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, when we consider, Son, that all of his first followers uh, were were, were Jewish, his inner inner circle of people, um, when we consider that the New Testament um, was written by Jewish authors, with the exception, the probable exception of Luke, who, of course, wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, and Acts, But with the the probable exception of Luke, it really is. It's a Jewish book that was written about a Jewish Messiah dealing with God's plan of salvation, first for the Jews, as Paul writes in Romans, um, then for the Gentiles. So when you look at what Jesus came and fulfilled, um, Yeshua is uh, Jesus' Hebrew name. What you start to see, Son, is that there's this beautiful blending of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and what I like to refer to as um, this ride on the Bible bus, as I wrote about in, in the two articles that I did recently on this topic. Um, you know, I, I like to talk about the Bible bus as that bus that God put Adam and Eve uh, as drivers initially, and then that was uh, passed along to. Um, some others along the way, including Noah, although during that period, got uh, switched from a, uh, from a bus to a boat, uh, for Noah and his family. Uh, and then of course we had, um, you know, Abraham in there, you know, driving the bus and then Mo- Moses, um, all of these bus drivers in the old Testament were leading up to and pointing to really the coming Messiah. So when Yeshua, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as Micah, the prophet Micah, had prophesied, you know, some 500 years before Christ was born, the Messiah was born. When when Jesus was born, it was really a continuation now of God's plan, whereby now Jesus, especially when he began his earthly ministry, Jesus would now become the bus driver. And, and so it wasn't a new religion per se, but it was a new covenant. You know, under the old covenant in the Old Testament, God had promised to protect and bless his people if they obeyed him. When we come to the New Testament, um, Jesus um, ushered in and instituted a new covenant. In fact, when he was celebrating the Passover with his disciples on the night of his betrayal, as they were continuing that, that tradition that, that God had given his people. So they were there celebrating the Passover, but there was going to be a new twist to it now. And, and Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so of course, Jesus was getting ready to shed his blood and go to the cross for salvation. But that was a, that was now an ushering in of the new covenant. So, so what we have saw then is we still have the Bible bus, we, we, we still have this religion that, that God started, uh, you know, in the Old Testament was continuing on now. Um, people that he was calling into his family now expanding it. The bus got bigger because now there were plenty of seats, not only for Jews, but also for Gentiles who would receive Christ by faith. So it was a, a bigger bus, a better bus. It was a, uh, a better covenant. You know, the old covenant was good. But this covenant topped that one, and not only that, but it was a better bus driver because now Jesus was, um, you know, driving the bus, as I say, when his earthly ministry began and, and John the Baptist announced him, you know, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's like, okay, Moses, um, you know, take one of those other seats, um, you know, as John even wrote about it, you know, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So now Jesus, in beginning his earthly ministry, would, would become the driver of the Bible boss. So in that sense, son, I know you know, even as Christians, you know, we tend to think, well, there's Judaism and there's Christianity, but when you listen to messianic Jews, that is, Jewish people who've accepted Yeshua, have accepted Jesus as the promised Messiah, as their Messiah, um, you 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 really get a much better sense on that this is a continuation of what was going on in the Old Testament. It, it, it's not a new religion, but it's a fulfillment of, of God's one plan of salvation for his people, his one Bible bus that, that uh, ultimately consisted of, of 66 uh, books, 39 in the Old Testament, or, or you know, that what the, the, um, the Jewish people would have, um, you know, been looking to when, when, uh, when Christ came, but they, many, many Jewish people stopped there. And, and so in that sense, son, there are many Jewish people and many Gentiles for that matter, son, who are still sitting on the bus that Moses was driving. Um, but you know what? Moses is no longer driving God's Bible bus. Um, this is a better bus. This is a bigger bus. Um, it, it was like when Jesus came, it's like, okay, everybody off kind of like, remember when Noah and the flood came, it's like, Okay. God said, okay, get off the bus, let's get on the boat. Um, And so Noah and his family, you know, Noah, his wife, and and their three sons and their wives, so just eight of them, you know, it's like, okay, get off the bus, let's get on the boat. Um, And then when Jesus came, okay, folks, we're going to transfer on to this new bus, but as we know Psalm, there were many in Jesus' day who did not receive him. Um, Of course, there were those who did, uh, his, his inner circle, his you know the the first followers of, of Yeshua, of course, were Jewish, and then it just spread on from there. So when you take all of that, it is totality, and, and you look at the Bible as a book written by, you know, well written by God ultimately, um, inspired by God, but but you know written down by by Jewish authors. Um, it, it, it's quite striking, you know, um, to realize. That, that Jesus did not come, the, the, the Jewish Messiah did not come to start a new religion, but he came to fulfill God's plan of, of eternal redemption for his people, which includes both Jews and Gentiles, you know, all who receive Christ. So uh, that's just kind of an overview, I would say, side of those two articles I wrote. And yeah, I'm really, uh, really excited that you're you know, tackling this topic because uh, I think it's one that we, we maybe don't think about enough especially as it relates to our faith in jesus in yeshua
0: you know so when you look at the bible the foundation i guess you can say is what moses wrote you know genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy so you've got this foundation and that's what you know jews will turn to the torah you know and, and read that
1: yes the torah right
0: and then beyond that you know it comes all this other stuff okay now um I've been to churches where they don't even bother reading the Old Testament. It's just strictly a New Testament church. And then you have, like, you know, the Jews and the Torah, where they only read the Torah and nothing else. And so you get all these different kind of things going on. But when you start with the foundation of the five books in the beginning of the Bible, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a lot of people, and as as you've alluded to and you've written about, is that, you know, let's take a a traditional Jewish person who then Mm – discovers and follows Jesus. Okay. Now there's a lot of thought that they become a different person or they're following now something new, but in reaction and in in, in actuality, their, their Jewish heritage doesn't change. No, Uh, they continue with those Jewish traditions. Um, You know, they continue to love their fellow Jews. They don't cast them out or don't associate with them anymore. They still believe, you know, the God of Abraham, you know, which is the one true God. And then they continue to love, you know, the family and everybody unconditionally. So really, like you said, really, the only thing that's changing, to use your bus analogy, is believing in the new bus driver.
1: Yeah, believing in the new bus driver, son. And um, as you say, you know, there are many Messianic Jews who will, you know, they'll use words like, you know, a completed Jew, you know, that, that now this is this is completing what God had always told us he was going to do for us in sending the Messiah. So, so it's, it's a completion of that. It's a fulfillment of that. And, uh, you know, I would encourage anyone to go to the uh, website, the ministry called one O N E one for Israel. And they are doing work. These are um, native Israelis who come to know the Lord. They all, um, you know, are, are from Israel and they live there and they, they have, that's where they've grown up, but they're ministering to Jewish people and they're using technology and they're using videos. And uh, I, I think uh, I made reference to, you know, something like 47 million views on YouTube of these just outstanding testimonial videos. Now, many of those are, they're, they're done in Hebrew, you know, for for uh, Jewish people there uh, in Israel, but they, they also have the English uh, videos as well for, for for those of us who, um, you know, benefit from that. But they're just powerful testimonies, um, you know, of, of a variety of Jewish people. And it's just fascinating to listen to their stories. And, you know, many of them, son, say, you know, Jesus was like a curse word in our family growing up. I mean, you couldn't talk about Jesus. Um, and, and, and this is largely because, son, you have a lot of rabbis. Oh, and, and they would have had rabbis who would have told them the same thing. And so they pass it on to, to, uh, to people. A lot of rabbis who will just make, you know, make people feel terrible if they even mention the word Jesus. And they, and they, and they go out of their way to really try to, um, to give Jesus a bad name. And they say some very bad things about him that are, of course, untrue uh, about their Messiah because they don't know better. But it is so ingrained in so many Jewish people that, that the one option we don't talk about is Jesus. And here's how Satan has worked too, Son. You know, there are many Jewish people. When you ask them, well, what's the what's the New Testament about? Of course, most of them haven't read it. They say, well, it's an anti-Semitic book. It, it, it just basically teaches, you know, Christians how to hate Jews because that's what they've been told. And, and, and you've had people, Son, who have used the name of Christ to... um To do things against the Jewish people. And of course, I mean, the ultimate example was just the demon possessed Adolf Hitler, who, whatever references he made to Christianity in his, um, you know, in his campaign, uh, I mean, my goodness, I mean, you know, what, what could be, um, what could be more, uh, demon possessed than, than that, than that man and that, that movement. But, um, but, but aside even from that, you have a lot of Jewish people. Who, who feel that, you know, Christianity uh, is, is um, something that just puts down Judaism, the New Testament puts down Judaism, and, and so they've been told this. And, and then you have Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, especially Isaiah 53, which clearly points to um, Christ suffering on the cross, Isaiah 53. And you have many rabbis who won't even read that. You know, in their synagogue, they, they, they try to keep their people from, from even hearing Isaiah 53. Because, you know, you ask the average person to read that, and they don't have to know much about Christ. You know, you ask them, well, who does that sound like? You know, most people Jew or Gentile, and they say, well, you know, it sounds like Jesus of Nazareth. It sounds like what he went through, you know, um, you know some 700 years after the prophet Isaiah was inspired to write those words. So, you have, you have Satan working to stir people up against Jesus, um, against uh, Yeshua, without knowing the, the, the facts, without knowing the truth. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing when you look at some of these videos of these uh, Messianic Jews, they'll say, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I opened up the New Testament and I start reading this lineage of all of these, you know, Hebrew names. You know of, of, of Abraham and, and all the others. I, I start reading about right right off the bat, and, and I start to see that the New Testament, rather than being anti-Jewish, it is just steeped in Jewish history, uh, in Jewish people, uh, in Jews who are coming into Christ, and as I say, who wrote then virtually all of the all of the New Testament. Uh, with a possible uh, exception there of Luke. So the Bible is a Jewish book about a Jewish Messiah and God's plan of salvation for, first for the Jew, the Gospels, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And by the way, Simon, that was written by the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, who, of course, was a, I mean, he didn't use that term, I guess, but um, Messianic Jew. You know, he, He, uh, he was, um, a converted, well, I don't even want to use that word. And maybe that's a good point I should make here, Son. Um, I, I came to find out a number of years ago that Messianic Jews, they, they would prefer that the word converted not be used to describe what God's done in their life. Um. And I, I suppose it's probably very much linked to the article that I wrote there, Son, about how the Jewish Messiah didn't start a new religion. Um, I think among their people, and when I, I'm talking about just the Jewish people as a whole, among the Jewish people, there's this idea, this false idea, that if you quote-unquote convert to Christianity, that somehow you are denying your Jewish heritage you're denying, you're rejecting all Jewish people as just, you know, something you want nothing to do with, and you're converting from Judaism to Christianity. What what they prefer to talk about is not that they've been converted, although there's no doubt some that, you know, to use that term in the way we typically use it, you know, a person being born again, uh, redeemed, justified, saved, forgiven, it certainly applies to every Messianic Jew who is trusting in Jesus as Savior. So in that sense, yes, they've been, they've been converted in that sense, in the spiritual sense, which is the way we, we always talk about it. But I can understand why they would prefer to not use that language. So I would say, Simon, anyone who's listening to this, if you have a, a, a Jewish uh, friend, let's say, that, that you are sharing the gospel with, there's no need for you, in my opinion, to ask that person to convert. Instead, what you can do is you can talk to your friend about how the Jewish Messiah didn't start a new religion and how Yeshua fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies and, and, and how you don't reject your Jewish heritage when you accept Jesus as the Messiah. So that's just kind of a, a matter of semantics, a matter of words that I think years ago, saw, um, probably because I mean, I wrote some, some articles about uh, Messianic Jews, you know, probably close to 10 years ago as well. And, you know, back then I probably would have made reference in an article to like, um, let's say some Jewish people who converted. But then I came to find out why that's, that's a word that it, it carries a lot of negative baggage among Jewish people. Because, again, remember, Son, it's being ingrained in them. You know, the, the Christians are just trying to convert you, to leave your heritage, um, to become part of this anti-Semitic, you know, movement of Jesus. And we don't believe in him and, and and all the stuff that goes with it. So that's what they're fed. That's what has been ingrained in, in many of their families. And, and as you can imagine, Son, and, and this comes out in a lot of the video testimonies, when a Jewish person does accept Yeshua, Um, there are many times when it's not received well by the family. I mean, in some cases it's just like, that's it. You know, they completely cut the individual off. Now the Messianic Jew doesn't do that with, with their family. Of course, the love of Christ in their heart, you know, moves them to continue to love their family unconditionally. And they always will. But there are some families who have, um, in fact, I remember one of those testimonies Son, where one of the fathers, I believe it was, of one of these Messianic Jewish believers, said to, it was either his son or his daughter, what you've done, I mean, I can't even imagine he would say this song, but what you've done is worse than what Adolf Hitler did. <laughs> I mean, that's how rabid, you know, some people are against Jesus because they don't know him. They, they only know what they've been told. They, they they only know what's been said about Jesus and Christians and the New Testament and it's anti Semitic and 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 they hate Jews and the New Testament is gonna tell you how to how to persecute Jews. You know, and some Jewish people, you know, they they, they think, well, you know, uh, Jesus was a Roman Catholic. I mean, that's how little they know about Jesus. I think he was a Catholic. You know, you'll you'll hear people give testimony like they grew up in a neighborhood that were just Jews and Catholics they remember one of the testimonies, and they said, We grew up thinking Jesus was Catholic. We didn't really know about him. We just knew we weren't supposed to talk about him. Um, and that he's not something that we believe in, not a person we believe in, but he's Catholic and we're Jewish. And so they've got their thing going. We've got our thing going, you know, so it takes a real education to learn the truth about Yeshua. And that's why son, I'm so thankful for this ministry. One for Israel that God has raised up right now. It's phenomenal. Um, it's powerful. You can't help but listen to these video testimonies all thinking, wow, God is doing a great thing in reaching, you know, many Jewish people today. Now, there are many more who don't yet know Yeshua, but the word is spreading. And I'll tell you, son, throughout Israel today, um, they know one for Israel. They, I mean, oh, and by the way, I'll say this, son, um, what I've learned from some of these Messianic Jews, too, in some of these uh, videos, and just some of the leaders of the ministry, is that nowhere on earth are people more glued to their, to their cell phones and the internet than Israel. You know, I mean, we, we, we know how, how strong addicted, you know, we are as Americans, but I mean, it's like nowhere is, is a place more consumed with that social media and that uh, form of communication than in Israel. And so for God to raise up one for Israel, and for them to be producing these very, very high quality videos, and, and and they're not all testimonies. I mean, they're, they have teaching videos on, I mean, they have a very, very strong leadership team and teaching team. And so you can go on YouTube, for example, or go to their website and, and they have all sorts of videos. And a lot of their teaching videos deal with issues that have to do with the new Testament and how are Jewish people to understand this and that and the other thing. And I mean, they're, they're very, 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 uh, very, very good son. So, God is doing a great work through them, and and uh, yeah, it's just exciting to see a Jew or a Gentile come to know Christ, but you know, maybe it's just a little extra uh, rewarding when you see a Jewish individual, because you know, the gospel was first for the Jews, so it's like, you know, if you want to put it this way, Simon, I mean, the seats on the bus, but in the front seats are for them, you know, now there are seats on the back of the bus for us, or, or the middle in the back, hey, great, hey, we're just glad to be aboard, but I would say those seats on the front are really reserved for, uh, for Jewish individuals because the gospel is first for the Jew. Now, that doesn't mean that in heaven there's going to be any sort of, of separation, um, or even in Christ today. You know, I know, you know somebody might think, well, you know, then are Jews and Gentile believers separated? No, because those who have the love of Christ in their heart, be they Messianic Jews, be they Gentile uh, Christians, um, they love one another with Christ's love. But, but when I say that the seat's on the front of the bus, not, not in the sense of, you know, you, don't, you, you would never hear a Messianic Jew making that point or that somehow, you know, we're first, you know, Gentiles are second. But I'm saying as a Gentile um, Christian, I'm saying I believe that's what the Bible says. It's first for the Jew. And, and, and God even says how, you know, he makes his, his, his people, the Jewish people, jealous when they see, you know, Gentiles. Um, trusting in the Messiah That really came first for the Jews So it's, it's quite a thing that God Is doing through through Yeshua
0: There's a couple of correlations Dan With the Jews that only read the Torah And maybe the Gentile The non, non-Jewish person today That believes in God Generally speaking Because there's a lot of people out there that you ask Hey do you believe in God? Yeah I believe in God But then when you ask them what they believe in It's like this you know, there might be a uh, a small amount of a biblical-type God, but it's an all-powerful being, something out there, and it's not really, you know, a biblical, or it doesn't continue on with the biblical perspective of what God is and what Jesus has done. And the other thing, too, is when you talk about the, the Jews and reading the Torah, you know, it's almost like watching a movie or maybe a trilogy or something like that. And all you do is you watch... The first little bit over and over and over and over, and all you get is that little bit, you know, whether it's an hour or whether it's just one movie, whatever. But then as you go on and you read the rest of it, as in the rest of the Bible, you start to unravel all this other stuff that you never knew existed. It might have been hinted to in the Torah, but the rest of the Bible then unveils the rest of the story. And so then you get a bigger picture. So, yeah, I can understand when they say we're not really converted. It's more like they're mm-hmm. just now going on to read the rest of the story and starting to understand yeah. what the rest of the story was. Because it's almost like a, you know, after the first five books, it's almost like a cliffhanger in a way. If you want to go that route, and yeah. the the stories unanswered or not finished, and so it's got to complete it. And I think there's a lot of people that kind of live life that way. They live life with some sort of spirituality, some sort of belief in God or a God but they don't have the complete story and they don't live the complete story because they don't have the story and they don't fully understand it and it's not fully revealed to them because they don't want to pursue what the Bible has to say that unveils the story about Jesus and everything else that goes on. So I think, you know. Well, that,
1: that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, so as I say, so as Jesus is standing at the door knocking, people may not open it because they uh-huh. may not fully understand what the full story is all about, which is kind of a sad uh-huh. thing.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely, Son. Now, you know, in the Hebrew Bible, or what we call the Old Testament, you know, you've, you've got the Torah, uh, which is studied just so devoutly by, you know, Orthodox Jews and their, and their families. Um, and then you, of course, got the prophets. Uh, but, but the problem is, Son, you have so many Jewish people. And we, we could say the same thing about Christians, of course, today with both the Old and New Testament. But you've got so many Jewish people who they don't read their own scripture. Now, you've got some who do. They devour it. But you've got a lot who don't even read the Torah. Um, you know, you, you have you have a significant number of Jewish people, some believe it or not, like say in Israel, for example, who are even atheists. I mean, they've been born into a Jewish family, so 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 they're Jewish um, by family, but but they don't practice their their Jewish faith. Um, and and then you have other. Uh, Jewish individuals who are just mildly uh, in, in involved, and you've got different groups, so you've got different groups among um, you know, the the, the the Jewish people, and with Orthodox Jews, and and, and Reformed Jews, and you know, just kind of like within Christianity, son, I mean, think about it. Um, you know, in fact, I was listening to somebody, uh, it might have been somebody with One for Israel, son, and they were describing, there was like this conference where you had like a Um, a mixture of Jewish people, both conservative and liberal Jews, and you also had Christians there, conservative and liberal Christians. I I forget what the conference was about, but it it drew in this very interesting, broad assortment of both uh, Christians and Jews. And they said what was so interesting is this. When they had, I think, like maybe their lunchtime, you would have thought that all the Jewish people would have, Kind of sat together and they kind of felt most comfortable with one another, and the Christian people. But no, you had the conservative Jews and the conservative Christians sitting together because they take the Word of God seriously. I mean, at, at least with the Jews, you know, certainly the Old Testament they take seriously, not not the New Testament unless they're Messianic Jews. Um, but but they take the Word of God seriously, and then you had the liberal Jews and the liberal Christians. Who could identify with one another? Because they both of those groups tend to look at the Bible more as mythology. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's some good stories, but but it's not to be taken literally, according to liberal Jews and liberal Christians. So that's it. That was an interesting dynamic that you had going on. Um, and what we've seen in Christian circles, son, and we see this around the world, but. But liberalism, you know, liberal Christian churches are dying now. You know, you could you could see where, like here in America, I mean, um, I mean, church attendance is down across the board. Um, you know, even you know, conservative Christian churches are are really working hard to try to, you know, just keep reaching and reaching the lost and making disciples. So, so it's it's a tough go. Uh, you know, whoever you are, but liberal churches have it the worst. They're really, um, they are really shrinking because they don't have anything there to hang on to, Saad. Um, if you look at the Bible as mythology, what can you hang on to? If you look at it, it's just a story. Like, for example, when I talk about the Bible bus and these drivers of Adam and Eve, there are many, many liberal Jews and liberal Christians, uh, or at least I'll say professing Christians, because, I mean, only God knows whether, you know, who's truly saved or not. I mean, I find it hard you know, to see how a person could be saved. I mean, they're going to have to take certain things literally. So, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's one thing to say, I don't believe Adam and Eve were real people. And that poses some real problems for the person who believes that. But then what do you do then with Noah and Abraham and Moses? And then what do you do with Jesus and his disciples? What do you do with his uh, perfect life, uh, never sinning one time? What do you do with his holy death? What do you do with his resurrection? I mean, where does the mythology end and history begin? Because, son, this is what this is what conservative Jews and conservative Christians understand. The Old Testament is 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 history, historical events. You know, um, my son Jonah and I uh, were visiting uh, here, not too far from here, uh, with a couple of Mormon guys here recently. Actually, just. Uh, just earlier in the week. And um, it was kind of interesting because they brought out a book of Mormon. And and one of the things I said, and we had a very cordial talk, but I said, uh, you know, none of those places in the book of Mormon, you know, nobody knows where they are or, or, you know, there's no history there. It's just just make-believe stuff. And yet many Mormons don't realize that, you know, that the cities and places talked about in the book of Mormon, they think are, but there's no, there's no history. There's no archaeology. I mean, whereas the Bible, song is literal history. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't some things like in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, and there are apocryphal things and there are symbolic things in the Bible. But there's also a ton of history. And, and you know, this is what um, this is what liberal Jews and liberal Christians, they have a hard time with. They have a hard time with accepting the Bible as literal history. But then again, I have to say, so at, at what point does your, um, do your literal views kick in? I mean, if you're, if you're professing Christian, great. If you're professing Jew, great. I mean, from the standpoint of, so what, what do you think actually did happen? I mean, I mean, if you're, let's say you're a liberal Jew, Saul, so I mean, do you believe that, that God raised up Moses to, you know, to deliver God's people uh, out of Egypt? I mean, do, do you do you celebrate the Passover as a Jew with a, with a firm belief that that is rooted in a historical event? Because, you know, Christian son believed that when Jesus said, this is the, this stuff is the new covenant in my blood, that that literally happened. And that Christ went to the cross and he rose again. And this bodily resurrection was real. Um, it's very difficult to see how a Jew or a Christian could hang on to anything if they they view Scripture as myth rather than literal history, because our sins are real, and the forgiveness God gives us is real, and the death that Christ died is real, and the fulfilled prophecies that Yeshua fulfilled are real. Um, And the prophet Isaiah, who ministered about 700 years before uh, Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, he was a real prophet. And interestingly, Simon, you know, you've got a lot of, uh, you know, religious Jews who, I mean, they, they, don't, they don't dispute that Isaiah was um, one of God's prophets, but, but what they don't believe, many of them, at least those who are not, you know, yet uh, following uh, Yeshua yet, um, they don't believe, of course, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the, uh, of the Old Testament prophecy. So, yeah, it's, it's quite, a, quite an interesting thing, you know, when you, when you look at the different experiences that people have, whether they grew up Jewish, whether they grew up Christian, whether they grew up atheist, you know, but at the end of the day, it's what are you going to do with Jesus? You know, what are you going to do about Yeshua? Because that's you're going to stand before on Judgment Day. You have to give an account of your life. And you're either going to have his forgiveness for your sins or you're not. And if you're not trusting in him and his death for your sins, then you won't have that forgiveness. And, and that, of course, is, is the mission now that Messianic Jews and, and uh, Gentile Christians that we all who know Christ are trying to, to spread to, to the world.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how people, you know, think the Messiah hasn't come yet. It's like, what are you waiting for? You know, what are you – I know they wanted this triumphant, you know, king to come and take care of, right. you know, the Romans back when Jesus actually came. But instead, Jesus right. came, you know, as a carpenter, as like a humble guy, as somebody that, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't be perceived as this, you know, victorious person that's going to rescue the, you know, the, the Jewish yeah. people from the, from, uh, uh, the Roman Empire. And so, But the second coming will be that way. So it's like, you know, what are they waiting for? What is anybody waiting for? Because, like, if you're waiting for, I guess, what would be the Messiah to return, would that be the first returning of the Messiah that they're looking for? Or would this be the triumphant return? And if they're looking for that triumphant return, it's like if you just read the rest of the Bible, you'd realize that that's coming. And yes, you mm-hmm. would be right in the triumphant return of the Messiah, but it's just coming yeah. differently than what you would think right. if you only read the Torah.
1: You know, son, I wrote an article a number of years back um, entitled, Jewish scholars have historically looked to Bethlehem. So this prophecy in Micah five two, written 500 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem, this prophecy clearly points to Bethlehem as the place from which the Messiah will will come, and Jewish scholars understand that and they accept that, and they have Song for the last twenty five hundred years since those words were were penned by the prophet Micah, um, and and yet, even though Jesus was born in that town of about a thousand people when he was born, and even though. They never found one sin he committed because he never committed a sin. Even though he healed all sorts of people. Even though he claimed to forgive sins. And that's why, uh, many of the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day hated him. And they did want him dead. And then the Romans, um, carried it out. But, but, um, you're telling me, and I'm talking out of the skeptic song, you're telling me that, that this Jesus of Nazareth doesn't meet enough of your um, checks in the box for a Messiah. So like you said a moment ago, what are you waiting for? I mean, who else has fulfilled or will fulfill Isaiah 53 the way Jesus did? Who else rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the way that the prophet Zechariah um Foretold that would you know that he would happen. You know there are some three hundred prophecies about Christ that were fulfilled by Christ's son and 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 so the only thing we can attribute it to, and the Bible tells us this, is to spiritual blindness, um, spiritual blindness. and in second corinthians four four it says, the God of this age, small g referring to the devil, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. You know, so when you're spiritually blind, um, you, you can't even see these fulfilled prophecies. Now, you would think, Psalm, that, that a person who's even a person who's spiritually blind would, would, would stop and say, wait a minute, you know, um, what does the Old Testament say? What do these prophecies say? What does the Hebrew Bible say? And then what did Christ do to fulfill these prophecies as the Christians are claiming he did? Well, it's, uh, it's so clear, son, once you're on the inside. But apparently, you know, next to impossible, it seems, for a person on the outside to see and accept. And so we need the Holy Spirit because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to work the miracle of the new birth, which every Messianic Jew, Every Gentile Christian, everyone who's become a believer, everyone who's become a follower of Christ, um, has been born again spiritually by the Holy Spirit through faith in Yeshua, through faith in Jesus. And and yet, as you say, son, it's just a head scratcher. Um, it's like what those who who refuse and there were many in Jesus' day they refused to believe. It says some 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 would believe, but others refused to believe. It's a real head-scratcher, though, why why you'd have anybody who'd want to say no to Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah.
0: Well, the other thing, Dan, which is kind of interesting, too, is when you look at just, you know, daily living, okay, in this day and age, especially now, you know, we're, we're suffering through so much. And so we need the reassurance that is offered to us in the Bible, whether it be, you know, Jesus offering us the peace that passes all understanding, whether he Mm -hmm. offers us, you know, um, he'll um, lift us up with wings like eagles. You know, he's there with open arms waiting for us to to fall into him. You know, um, there's all these assurances and all these things that we can fall back on just in daily life that kind of help encourage us. You know, I mean, there's the Proverbs. If we want to be wise, you know, we can read Proverbs, you know, and a lot of people will read a Proverbs a day throughout the months. Um, you know, we've got the Psalms, you know, we've got, of, of course, the salvation message, and, and we've got, you know, how to live a good life, so to speak, in some of the New Testament uh, uh, books. But when you look at just the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, I mean, Leviticus alone with the Levitical law, I mean, that can be pretty depressing if you only relied on the Levitical law, and then some of the other things that go on. So it's like, how can people really... Have the fullness and the joy and the, and the the fruits of the spirit, so to speak, if all you 're doing is kind of reading this you know, torah that is kind of uh, i would say depressing but you know there 's a lot of things in there that can really weigh on the spirit, and you sometimes yeah. need that you know because that law is there, but then the gospel kind of frees us from that and gives us hope and understanding yeah. that you know what we don 't have to be so despondent because of how we are and how this world is and how life is going yeah. we have yeah these other answers and these other verses and this other message out there that can lift our spirits, yeah. give us hope and give us a
1: new outlook. Yeah, it's really such a contrast on it. In fact, I was just talking with someone uh, from our church here in the last few days about this, because um, he was, uh, he was talking about this topic a little bit. And um, the, the one thing that we observed is, is that for, for law-oriented people who do not yet know the gospel, you know, it's like the more law that they try to follow, the more ammunition it seems that they give themselves to try to make the case for their personal righteousness. So, so they view the law as their savior. They view themselves as their savior. They, they do their obedience to the law as their means of salvation. And it's like the more laws that they can try to follow. And and you see this with, I mean, my goodness, some of these, you know, Orthodox Jewish homes. I mean, when you think about how every little thing that they do, they they run through a microscope to make sure that they're following the law. And, And it's kind of like in the Old Testament, you know, and and. With all of the, the, the washings and 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 what food is okay to eat and what isn't, and what do we do in this situation? What do we I mean now, granted, as Christians, we're given um, some very clear instructions on holy living that, that deal with every area of life. So from that standpoint, we, we, we see some real similarities. But the difference is this, son. The the person who is following Yeshua, who who's been saved is not trying to justify himself or herself by following the law, but is trying to please the Lord by by following the law. So now we've been set free from the law. We've been set free from the penalty. Not that we no longer um, should be guided to holy living by God's rules for holy living. No, not that. But that we don't we don't use that as a means for justification. We don't um, try to make ourselves acceptable to God by that because those who do that are doing the exact opposite sign of what the gospel calls a person to do. The gospel calls a person to just rest in Christ. You know, I'll give you this example. Um, I, uh, I have a relative who I've uh, shared a lot with. Uh, especially recently um, involving the gospel and uh, someone who lives in another state. But anyway, um, this individual is going through some health issues uh, that that has made it difficult for him to go down these steep stairs in his home to the office where he works there in his home for his business. And so I didn't know if maybe he he thought about it at all, but I just I I just uh, sent him an idea of one of those lip chairs that people get, you know, that they can just sit in, they can go up and down stairs. And, and I didn't say this to him, but I was thinking about this song, you know, that is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. You know, if you picture yourself at the bottom of, of, of a set of stairs and the top of the stairs represents heaven, the the the, the person who's trying to obey the law to get to heaven is trying to walk up the stairs. But like in the case of of my relative, um, they're not able to. No matter how hard you try, you just can't make it because you're imperfect. The believer in Yeshua, the believer in Jesus, sits down in the chair and rests in Christ, who died on the cross and rose again so that we could have that lift chair to heaven. And so what the gospel calls a person to do is to repent of your sin, And then simply sit down and rely upon God to bring you to heaven, to bring you into a relationship with him. So sit in the lift chair. That's an analogy for becoming a follower of Yeshua, whether you're Jew or Gentile. And what the law says is forget the lift chair, forget Yeshua, forget the cross. You have to work your way. You have to follow all of these laws. All of these rules, and you better do it pretty well if you hope to ever get to heaven one day so so just like these Mormons we talked through this week I mean that's what their religion teaches them that's what the Jehovah's Witness religion religion teaches them that's what um, you know Orthodox Judaism uh, teaches its followers that's what you know Judaism in general teaches its followers um, only Christianity only This faith in Christ, which the Jewish Messiah, you know, as I say, did not come to start a new religion. He came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies, but only in Christ do we have this this lift to heaven that God gives us, and it comes through faith in Christ. And so that's the message that we have for people. Trust Christ, and yet Satan is working to keep people's eyes blinded to the truth of the gospel. So that they, they, they just strive and strive and strive to make it up those stairs. But you know what, son? There won't be one person in heaven who climbed the stairs because their sin made it impossible for that to happen. It's true for all of us. And, and we are even in worse shape than my relative who cannot walk up the stairs now because of a heart issue going on. Um, some very steep stairs. You think those stairs are steep. Um, the stairs to heaven are much longer, much steeper. You know, son, I guess it would be like this. Picture, for example, uh, a stairway to heaven that is covered in ice. Every step has like two inches of ice on it. And um, the steps are very, very small. So even if you could somehow get your foot onto one step. So, so you're basically trying to climb up um, this huge icicle. It won't happen. Um, that's a picture of the Bible. The law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. The law was to show us we're sinful. We need a savior. And 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 we can't be justified by the law. yet. Many people turn that around and oh, break the law. I'll climb to heaven, up the stairway to heaven. No, you won't. You may think you are, but you know how far you've gotten? You haven't even gotten up, you know, three feet up that ladder. You have not made it up three feet. Well, I go to church every week. I, I'm a devout Jew, or I'm a devout, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a devout Baptist, or I'm a devout this, or I'm a well. Okay, you could be devout. Saul of Tarsus was devout before he was saved by Yeshua. Uh, Saul of Tarsus was a devout Jew, um, and he hated Christians, but but then he was saved. And then he had a deep love in his heart for Jews and Gentiles, wanting them to know Christ. And in fact, Paul even said, so he said, he wrote, it's always been my ambition. It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful mission that God gave the Apostle Paul and that God gives to us today as followers of Jesus.
0: Dan Dozell with me as we talk about the things that go on In this world through a biblical perspective, and Dan, one of the things that uh, we can be rest assured about is that if we do believe, and we truly believe and repent of our sins, we can one day find ourselves in heaven for all eternity, uh, worshiping the Savior that saved us and our Creator, and you know, that's one day that's going to be a glorious day for all of us, and uh, for those that might stop short of reading the full gospel message for one reason or another— You know, it might be uh, wise for them to take a look at it and see what they might be missing out on.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it, Son. And anyone listening to this today, as Son just said, um, you can just reach out to Jesus. Just say to the Lord today, wash me, Jesus, in your precious blood. You know, it's amazing how many animal sacrifices took place in the Old Testament. It's amazing to me today that you'd have a Jewish person who wouldn't see a need for a a blood sacrifice today. And yet what Messianic Jews see is this. Christ Christ completed that one time sacrifice, even as the Bible says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. So today's son it's about any listener, any individual calling upon the Lord, putting their faith in Jesus' one time sacrifice of atonement that completed what all of the old testament sacrifices were pointing toward. And and now we have forgiveness through his shed blood. So it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be um, a follower of Jesus, to know your sins are forgiven and to know that heaven is your home. And, and so, again, Son, thank you for um, for just taking on this important topic today and and, uh, you know, allowing us and the listeners to be able to consider these incredible uh, biblical truths as we as we're riding along on the Bible bus uh, as part of God's plan of, of salvation history. Dan
0: Dozel, thank you as always. We look forward to further conversations as the weeks and months go by. And um, and we really appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us uh, your insights into the things that we talk about here on the program.
1: My pleasure completely, son. Thank you so much. I look forward to our next visit.
0: And for those of you listening, if you'd like to uh, listen to other podcast episodes, you can always go to radiowarp.com that's radio w a r p.com just look for the sanctified reason uh logo click on it and all of our past shows come up and you can kind of scroll through them and like i said we've got all kinds of different topics from more of a of a theological perspective to some social issues to some conversations just involving everyday life and so there's all different types of uh shows there that you can listen to um thanks for listening Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.